Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Law Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. My name is Mary Vandenack, founder, CEO, and managing partner at Vandenack Weaver LLC. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about closely held businesses, tax, trusts, and estates, legal technology, law firm leadership, and well-being for lawyers. Before we start today's episode, I want to thank our sponsor. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. There's always a resistance to change, particularly with attorneys. Attorneys like to look back at what's worked in the past, and that makes a lot of sense. But when you realize that with a good automated drafting system, you can do a better job for your clients, deliver documents on a more timely fashion, in a more consistent and in a more costly manner. If you're not a subscriber to Interactive Legal, I urge you to go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of interactive legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. On today's episode, my guest is Brady Marlowe. Brady is a wealth planner and strategist at Carson Wealth. Brady and I are both passionate about mindfulness practices, and we plan to discuss that concept with respect to decisions that must be made by entrepreneurs. Welcome today, Brady. Hi, Mary. Thank you for having me. So, Brady, um, we really are both pretty passionate about mindfulness. Can you tell me what's really inspired you in that regard? Yeah. Uh, Once again, thanks for the opportunity, and congratulations on all the podcasts success. I really enjoyed listening to all the wonderful guests you've had. Um, What really inspired me, I I think back to when, I think it was when we first met, maybe four or five years ago, we were part of a a chartered advisor, a philanthropy class. uh, And you really opened the door for me to embrace, uh, I'll say that combining the aspects of spiritual and technical when making decisions. And uh, it came from, you came in maybe a couple minutes late to the class. And I don't know if you had a, if you can believe that. It's probably the only time you've ever been late. No, that's probably typical. <laughs> and I don't know if you had your yoga right mat. Right on time. I don't know if you had your yoga mat on your shoulder or not, but you had just come from maybe teaching yoga or something like that. And I remember I was probably wearing a suit and tie and thinking I had to be so formal and thinking, wow, how cool is that? Because we started talking about yoga, spirituality, and it was just opened the door for me to say, hey, we don't have to be so stuffy all the time. Let's uh, let the items that are in our personal life really flow through to our professional life. So, you know, I've done some personal branding work and have put things like that I teach yoga and mindfulness on my website. And I used to feel like that was a little geeky. But the fact is that I often get hired because of that. And what I was told in working through that is, well, okay, if you line up two dozen good trust and estate lawyers, all of them have great technical skills, what distinguishes you from them? 
And each of us has the distinguishing factors, and I'm more likely to attract those who have some kind of draw to that mindfulness and yoga practice, right? So, well, when did you take up practicing mindfulness, Brady? Well, really just probably six, seven years ago. As you know, being a advisor, consultant, coach, you probably wake up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. or both, and you're not only worried about the challenges you have in your life, but you have the challenges of problems and opportunities you're solving for others, right? And that can get overwhelming. You have maybe a thousand different scenarios running through your brain at any time. And I just felt overwhelmed. Um, Nothing else was really working. So I started reading about mindfulness and it was a way to not only help me cope, but just to help me slow down and be more discerning about all the noise and chatter in my head. And mindfulness generally, we didn't really define what that is as we see it. And my definition has evolved over the years as I've practiced more and more. And so now it's a pretty simple being present right here, right now, no matter what. When I first started, I thought it meant that I had to be totally accepting of whatever was going on. And I've redefined that. So, well, sometimes I'm just really angry about, you know, I hurt my back earlier this year and I was just really angry about it. And so mindfulness is sometimes being aware that hey, I'm really ticked off that my back hurts. And that's just, I'm present and aware of that. I don't necessarily have to accept yep. the fact that I injured my back, right? I think that's the best word, present. And so that's that's kind of as a just present and I focus on my breath. And actually in positive psychology, I think, you know, I went back and have taken some training in, in that recently. Mindfulness is actually considered a positive psychology intervention. Uh, You mentioned that you did a three-day silent retreat. I really like to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was through Mindfulness Outreach Initiative, which is a nonprofit here in Omaha, a giving circle that I belong to. We had given them some money as a grantee, and that's really uh, helped me learn more about the practice. So, yep, it was Friday night through Sunday morning, and if I had to compare the fortitude it took to complete that versus say running a marathon it was wasn't even close this was definitely difficult for me it's really hard to shut down the the noises in your head for three days Um, but I really achieved a sense of accomplishment uh, discernment a lot of tools I mean one of the tools they gave me I still remember was Uh, think of all the thoughts that are running through your head and it's a group of people behind you and you're slowly walking into the woods and those people are starting to dissipate and you finally get far enough into the woods where you're alone. So I, I, you know, hours and hours to work on visualizations like that. Uh, Posture was something I took from that. You're sitting in a, a meditative pose. I actually got back into my car after the three days and it didn't feel right because my back had better posture because I was so present and sitting with aligned posture. So a lot of, a lot of great things I took from that. Uh, I haven't done one since, but I'd love to go to one of the the longer ones, seven day retreats some, sometime. And the other one, when it comes to posture that I've recently taken up, is just a little side note is Feldenkrais. It's really slow for a lot of people, but it totally focuses on noticing how like as you move forward to reach for the steering wheel which parts of the body you use what's connected to the seat when you mentioned that example that's just where my mind went to well we both share another passion in life which is working with entrepreneurs we just find that energy and what they do is something that's amazing and it's 
like great. I can't say anything other than like one of my very favorite stories is, well, I have a lot of favorite stories, as you know, but one of them was the client who came and said, how much would it cost for you to review this one paragraph in our operating agreement? And 20 years later, they're this international entity. And that's just really a lot of fun to help people start their businesses, grow their businesses, and ultimately exit their businesses. And one of the reasons we decided to do this podcast is we've talked a little bit about the role that mindfulness can play in this market. So you have thoughts on that? Yes. And I like you, it's a, it's a blank canvas, right? It's a, it's not linear for entrepreneurs. And like you say, you reviewed that one paragraph and you didn't know exactly where it's going to go, but there's the sky's the limit. Um, I'm really fortunate to play a role at a seminal point in people's lives when they've reached some pinnacle of success. And normally that's a liquidity event with their business. What we've found though, is that doesn't provide such a fulfilling experience that they thought it would like, Hey, I'm here now. I've achieved everything I thought I was going to achieve, but there's still a void there. Um, there's a great book. You might know it strangers in paradise, which talks about, um, a lot of times it's first generation wealth. They have no playbook for now they're here with all of this wealth. And I think about, um, just having them change their mindset and how to really achieve fulfillment at that stage because it's going to come from a different source. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors, Carson Private Client. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Okay, let's continue our episode. So what is the biggest challenge you see? Because the whole transition, you spend time as a business owner, you start your business, it's that idea, you're worried about the cost of reviewing one paragraph, the idea takes off, business grows, your whole life is really consumed by everything about building that business, and then, wow, you have somebody come in, venture capital offers you huge amounts, you cash out. What is the challenge in that transition? Yeah, so they have a new wealth paradigm now. They knew how to grow their business, or at least navigated the growth of it. Now what I see is there's so much noise, there's so much people coming for them. Uh, word gets out, right? Uh, opportunities seem to find business owners that have a, a pile of money. So what I see is one of two things. One, they overthink uh, too much. Uh, they're not able to discern and isolate what the decision should be because this is a new decision matrix for them. Or two, they use their reactive brain meaning they feel like they have to be moving all the time. So anytime somebody comes to them 
with a real estate deal, a business venture. They just feel like they have to quick analyze it and make a decision. So can you give a couple more examples? Yeah, so think of somebody's new goals. You could sit down and do some really great discovery with them, and their new goals might be something like, I want my children to have the same grit and uh, sense of accomplishment that I had, so I want to have better air preparedness. I want to help the community. I want to um, expand my wealth across generations. But when somebody comes to them with a deal, they're solely analyzing it maybe just on the tax savings for that year. So once again, they're in that reactive brain and maybe not being as discerning and in the moment as they they can be. So that would be an example where just things are coming at them so quick that they're not using this. I'll say it's it's a bigger, longer, it's like chess versus checkers, right? Checkers, you kind of know the move. You can see it right away. Chess, you got to think about it a bit. And frankly, the truth is when somebody is cashed out, they do get approached by a whole lot of different types of opportunities. Some of them are actually excellent, some of them, and they partly fit a particular person. A a lot of these guys find you. When they come to you, what are they looking for? Well, initially... They think they're looking for maybe a pitch or a solution. That's how they've received things. It's, you know, maybe in their business, a vendor would, they'd bring three vendors in. They'd have an RFC for something. Very easy to compare apples to apples. But what we're really trying to do is synthesize a solution for them. And you're great at this, Mary, where it's give me all the facts, give me the emotions, give me the the goals. Uh, Maybe they don't know what they're passion and fulfillment is going to be. So we need to synthesize a plan. We already have all the stuff. We have the legal strategies, the investment strategies, the tax strategies. What we really need to do is customize and synthesize a plan for them. And because every one of them and their objectives are different, no matter, there's no like simple plan that works for everyone, right? That's right. So how do you use mindfulness to help you synthesize a solution? Well, You know, some people ask me if we're actually meditating in the meetings and put a pen in that because we can come back to that. So not yet. Uh, One example, and tell me what you think about this. This is the two types of curiosity. So one's deprivation, and that means you just want to know the answer to something. What is the answer? Is this solution best or this one? And I believe a lot of people are in that mode. Um, If we think about, if I ask the CEO what their job is, as the CEO founder, most of the time they say it's putting out fires or breaking ties or something like that. They are just making the tough decisions uh, in quick fashion. The second type of curiosity is interest. That's when you are really want to explore something, something new. You want to learn how to play a ukulele, so you're really just interested in everything about that. So that's closer to the uh, right brain, right? creativity, mindfulness promotes all of that. So that's where we're trying to get them from the deprivation. I just need to know the answer to let's explore what's possible. So it sounds like you're actually trying to change the way clients make decisions. In a word, yes. Um, As I mentioned, a lot of entrepreneurs are rewarded for making strong, quick, decisive decisions. Uh, And we think of the amygdala, right? So that's where fear, uh, reactivity, emotions live. And that's great. That serves us for a lot of areas. But we know when we're making 
let's think about multi-generational planning, we need to use the prefrontal cortex, which is more cognitive, creativity, discernment. So what science, and I'm not a scientist, I just play one on this podcast, what science has told us is that we can actually create those pathways. Um, if you think about a, a field full of grass, right, and you, you continue to walk along the same path every time, it's going to make a pathway. So how can we undo that pathway and start to make a new pathway? So you make these connections to more, more quickly get to the uh, prefrontal cortex instead of the amygdala. So think also, think about a, an athlete, a football player. They always say the game slows down. First, it's very reactive, but through experience, through the neuroplasticity of the brain, they've seen these before. So if we can get them to where the game slows down for them, yeah, we're actually trying to change the way they think. And there actually is some fairly strong science that's evolving rather rapidly. In some of the studies I've been doing, that's been really interesting to follow that. And one of the things, you know, when you talk about do we actually meditate in meetings, well, I actually do, but I don't necessarily say, hey, I'm meditating, but it's what I'll do is do an intentional pause. Yes. Or And sometimes that intentional pause is if I have somebody who knows that's a practice of mine and they're open, that's one thing, but I want to have a mindful meeting regardless of whether I'm saying, because me as a practitioner, I think I'm doing a better service by really focusing on being present yep. myself so that I'm paying attention to what that client wants. And then by listening really effectively to what they're saying and responding to that. But if I'm thinking about my next meeting, then I can't be mindful in that meeting and provide the service that I need to. So I think mindfulness in meetings is a practice, even if we're not meditating. But I was recently introduced to the Amazon meeting. Are you familiar with that? So I've actually incorporated this practice and it's just new. So I'll have to let you know how it goes. And I changed what I heard they do. But so that we have certain personnel at our office who are like, well, everybody should read the materials before they come to the meeting. Well, nobody ever has time because they're going from meeting to meeting and call to call and email to email. So they come in the meeting and we're discussing something, but they haven't read the materials. So the Amazon approach is they take the first 15 minutes and here's the materials and you read and reflect on it. And then we'll start the meeting. And in a sense, if you think that's almost a mindful practice, we're going to bring our attention to the meeting. So in terms of like an internal meeting, we've adopted that practice in client meetings. I take that time and say, let's talk about the objectives. What are we trying to achieve here with this meeting? What's our strategy? What's our plan? I love that. I was going to ask if you do any meditation or something before meetings to get you into that mindset, but this is a way to bring everybody into the present. And I'm a advocate of what I call modern mindfulness, which is at any point during the day. So let's just use a really simple example. You go to the grocery store, you're in a checkout line. Option one is to get irritated. Option two is, okay, I'll look at my smartphone and start answering messages. Option three is I will like just stop, pause, and focus on my breath and do a mini 60. So I don't have like necessarily a meditation practice where I sit down on a mat for 60 minutes every day, I try and find what I call mindful moments throughout the day. If I'm trying to achieve a certain transition, let's say there's one thing in my life I'm trying to change right now, which is actually kind of coping with working through a back issue, 
if I just charge into life doing exactly what I've been doing every day, I'm not going to make that change. So I've built some mindfulness interventions where I've actually calendared pauses, but they're only five minutes. So I do actually, one of the things great with Microsoft Outlook is you can actually schedule 15 minutes. You can set it so that you have 15 minutes before a meeting and 15 minutes after a meeting so that you can use that 15 minutes to prepare. And it might not be meditating, but it's at least going to be becoming present Mm -hmm. into what I'm going to talk with the client about. So those are kind of the way I practice. And it's a lot calmer. And I think a client having me in a calm present state is a lot better than when I'm dashing in from the last, you know, 10 meetings on adrenaline rushes. You're pretty, you're pretty impressive though, when you're in that frenetic state as well. Well, thanks, Grady. <laughs> I, as you know, I actually always enjoy working with you. I, so can I, I, I do just want to comment. I love the, the grocery store line analogy, because think about the spectrum of what you've changed your mind from being frustrated and building on that, right? to being calm and building on that. Uh, I do have a version of that, and my 14-year-old daughter and significant other call it humili stretching. So I start stretching in public. They call it humiliating them with my stretches and mindfulness in public. But you got to make use of the time, right? So, yeah, I love that. I love the Amazon uh, presence because people are coming from their last meeting. It's that switching residue, right? They probably just came out of a meeting off a phone, off a Zoom. So I love that reset. So I'm just going to admit that I was at my niece's basketball game up at the top doing yoga poses. We interviewed Vanessa Canega, who is the CEO of Interactive Legal, and we both admitted to doing yoga in airport you know, when you're waiting to get on a plane and things like that. So, and I've sort of gotten like, yeah, I'm stretching. You guys are sitting and you're like loading your, the discs in your back. I'm going to stand up and stretch. So I do like do some of those practices. And if it's a little, what was the word? I'm going to adopt that one. Humila stretch. The humila stretch. Yeah. So I do a little humila stretching. (laughs) So you have any last thoughts today, Brady? Uh, No, just, we're going to continue to uh, put this into our practice. Uh, I have a retreat that I'm designing this summer and that's really to get people out of their, their comfort zone of the noise. Right. Uh, My mantra every day is brilliant mind, healthy body, tranquil soul. So it's that, that letting the mind explore, connecting it with the body and then being at peace inside. And as I say, my one other time to really, that I've really switched to using mindful practices is in traffic. Mm. So you have option one, honking your horn, which, or getting really angry, or you can use that for a mindful practice or listening to a podcast. Well, thanks for being here today, Brady. That's all for now. I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal and Carson Well. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. A Huda Media Production.